and the New Testament passage from Luke 10, verses 25 through 37, a familiar passage for us. In your New Testament, that's page 72, beginning at 71. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Now which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is our final Sunday going through uh, the sermon series, the summer sermons, summer sermon series, say that five times fast, summer sermon series, Growing Young, and we've been talking about what does it mean to grow young as a congregation and as a church. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing a sermon series called Growing Young? About a year ago, we had listening gatherings, and people came and talked about what they longed for for our church, what they hoped would happen in our church. And you know one of the most common responses to that? I wish we had more people here. I wish more people would show up. So some people have kind of come to me and said, why are we doing this? I'm older, and I I feel like I want to focus on my relationship with Christ and this and that. But the whole thing is, I think we all want more people here, right? And, and I'm going through this book called Growing Young, and this is done by experts in this field of what it means to reach out to younger families to draw them into the life of a church. So my goal here is to hopefully help build the church. And guess what? It's not just the pastor that does that. It's the whole congregation. We need to work together to help that to happen. 
because I agree, I'd love to have this place filled on Sunday mornings. I'd love to pull the curtains down, fill it up all the way to the back. But for now, we need to start working on things. So, oops, my microphone has fallen. This is a, my new robe, so I'm still learning how to connect it here. On. There we go. There we go. All right. Good. So what are some of the ideas that we have talked about? And what does it mean to grow young? You remember any of the things that we've talked about in the last six, seven Sundays? Not while I was gone, but you, Penny remembers something. Yeah, what? Going more and more into the Lord? Yes. So that was one of the points was Take Jesus Christ's message seriously. Good. Did I see a hand over here? No? Okay. I love this. I love when I have my pastor's Bible study on Thursday, I say, okay, what did we talk about last week? And everybody stares at me blankly. I don't know. That was a week ago. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Yeah. So um, some of the things we talked about was the importance of letting leadership passed to the next generation. Unlocking keychain leadership, we called it, right? So that's an important thing is um, respecting and, uh, and recognizing leadership in young people. Secondly, learning to empathize with young people. Remember the importance of not just giving them pat answers, oh, you need to do this or you need to do that, but to recognize how people are feeling and feel with them what they are feeling. Third was taking Jesus' message seriously, as Penny reminded us. Fourth was building a warm community. I think we're pretty good with that, but how can we do that better? How can we become more warm? And part of that was inviting people beyond the walls of this church to join together in times of fellowship and community. And last week we talked about prioritizing young families, making an emphasis both in our ministry and in our worship on young families and helping them to feel like they're not alone because this world is a lot different than it was a hundred years ago and we need to do everything we can to support our young families here. So today is the last week and today we're going to focus on being the best neighbors. What does it look like to love and shape the world around us? Um, I remember when I was in seminary and Scott will make fun of me because I always mentioned seminary. But when I was in seminary, I had an epiphany one uh, class meeting when a professor was talking about the Garden of Eden. And he said, you know, the whole point of what we're supposed to be doing here on earth is a return to the Garden of Eden. We're supposed to be doing everything we can to bring it back to the way God intended it to be in the first place. That's what it means to build the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God here on earth. And that really struck me. I'd never really thought of it that way before. Listen to what Isaiah says, age 20. Christianity is about restoration of how it is all supposed to be. We have been given hope. We have been redeemed. And we have been empowered by the authority of God to go out and change the world. We're meant to make a difference in the world. 
Church isn't about just showing up on Sunday morning, singing a few songs, putting a few bucks into the plate, and going out and getting donuts. It's about going into the world and making a difference in the world. Remember the second week in my sermon, I talked about what's important to young people. The three ultimate questions that young people ask. The first is, who am I? About identity. The second is, where do I fit in? About belonging. And the third is, what difference do I make? People want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I don't want to leave this world the same way I found it. I want to leave it better. And young people are attracted to churches that are making a difference in their communities. It's so interesting to me. I saw a Facebook post a couple of weeks ago after all this stuff that was going on with the Baltimore and all the in the news about um, the, the uh, senator from Baltimore and his converse, his. Twitter battle with the president, which I think is so bizarre to me. Um, and I saw a Facebook post of a family that said, we're tired of everybody talking about what's going on in Baltimore. We're selling our home in Southern California, and we're moving our family, and they have little kids. We're moving our family to Baltimore. We want to make a difference. Wow. That's a major priority for young people today. They will choose where they go based on where they can make the most difference. People will choose a church based on how much difference that church is making in their community. So if we want to attract young families, we need to be making a difference in our community. I think we are. I think we're doing a good job, but how can we do better? Some people call this incarnational ministry. Understand that term? When we talk about the incarnation, we talk about God, the divine, the holy, pure, inaccessible, beyond transcendent, taking on flesh and becoming a human being, and being God divine in the presence of human beings. So incarnational ministry is about not saying, hey, come to our church where you can find God, but saying, God is in me, Jesus Christ is at present in my body, and I'm going to go out into the community and be present with the people in the community. I'm going to be Jesus Christ. We oftentimes say it. I'm going to be his hands and his feet in the world around us, to be that in our community. That's incarnational ministry, embodying Jesus Christ in the streets of Santa Ana. Alexis uh, is a person that they talked to for the research in this book. And she said that she moved to a new city, and when she first moved there, she heard uh, music in a park, and she was saying, oh, what's going on at the park? So she went over to the park, there was a big festival going on, there were lots of booths set up, booths about, or not ministries, but just ways you could work in the city, and she got pretty excited about that. And she went to one of the booths, and one of the booths talked about um, foster kids. And the goal of this was, uh, it was called Foster the City, and it was aimed to reverse the wait list for foster children. And she thought, that's pretty cool. And she wanted to get involved in that. So she started talking more and more to the people at this booth, and do tell they were both members of a church. And the more she talked to them, the more she got excited about it, and so she ended up going to the church. Because these people were involved 
in the city. And the church's motto was this, a church for the city. A church for the city. They recognized that they were there to make a difference in the city. And this is what Alexis said. I love that I met these people at a festival. I didn't need to be looking for Jesus or a church to find them. They were out there doing their thing as opposed to a lot of churches that try to, you, try to get you to come to their events in the church building. Just being out there, being Jesus Christ in the community made a difference. She became a member of that church because of that. So the idea of becoming incarnational, that becomes attractive to young families, young adults. So the question, and I think the um, story of the Good Samaritan is a great story to remind us. Jesus Christ is talking, and all of a sudden this young lawyer comes up and he says, hey, what do I need to do to become part of the kingdom of God? And Jesus, I love Jesus never, very seldom answers questions. He oftentimes answers a question with a question, right. And so he said, what do you think? I like that. I do that a lot. It frustrates people. What do you think about this, Pastor Lance? Well, what do you think? Mm, I don't know. People tell me, though. They have their, their opinions. So the man answered very wisely. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the two biggies, right? That's the whole law is based on those two. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Jesus says you answered right. Do that. You'll live. Everything's good. Have a nice day. <laughs> but the guy wanted to justify himself, so he said, hmm. But who is my neighbor? So we have this very familiar story, the, the Good Samaritan, uh, and Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and two people pass by, a priest and a Levite. They ignore the person who's been beaten up. Finally, a Samaritan comes by, a foreigner, a person who does not worship at the right places, and he takes care of the man. And I love the way Jesus, he doesn't say, uh, he doesn't identify the person that's been beaten up as the neighbor. He says, who was a good neighbor to that man? So he said, basically saying, don't worry about who you should be nice to. You be the neighbor. You be neighborly. You change it. The Good Samaritan story tells us, reminds us of selfless mercy, compassion and forgiveness, social justice, political engagement, race and ethnic identity, and response to pop culture. It's all in there. And so it should teach us to reach out to people that are different from us, people who are in need, to recognize people in need. The Good Samaritan was moved by pity. There's that empathy side of things. So we should seek to follow the example of the good neighbor. A young woman named Tina discusses this in the book. Let me see if I can find this quote. I should have marked it better. Uh, Okay, Tina, she's 27 years old and she sums up her um, congregation in this way. Our church has more than just a desire to do good. I think everybody has a desire to do good, right? Uh, Our church um, understands 
that this is good, this need for justice, comes from an, our understanding of the gospel. It's grounded in who Jesus is, who God is, and what life is all about, not just an add-on. So it's a response to Jesus Christ and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So as the church, we are called to be the best neighbors we can be. We're called to be the best neighbors we can be. And we, are in part, we here at First Presbyterian Church are in partnership with several different organizations, um, and we're trying to do everything we can to reach out to the community around us, right? So we have La Samia meeting here. We have Narcotics Anonymous. We have Alcoholics Anonymous. We have Zumba. Some people might say, Zumba? Why Zumba at a church? But Zumba reaches out to the people of this community and brings wholeness to them. We've just started doing yoga. Um, a, somebody from Zumba, who is also a yoga instructor, has said, hey, can we start doing yoga here? We have mixed martial arts here. We have the kids singers here. We have all kinds. Uh, Morning Garden uh, will get started this week. We have all kinds of partnerships with people who are making a difference in this city, and we want to continue that. In fact, Laundry Love is celebrating 10 years, right, this month. So we want to do something special with them uh, this September, the third Thursday in September. So uh, we want to embrace that incarnational ministry here in the city of Santa Ana. Here's the thing. One minute watching the news will let you know the world is not the way it's supposed to be. Right? I mean, we heard it again in Texas. Somebody just went nuts on the road and started shooting. That's crazy. The world's not so, the way it's supposed to be. But we as Christians are called to make a difference. And young people are attracted to churches that have taken this call seriously. So let's continue to see ways that we can engage in the life of the city, that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, and we can attract people to our church through that way. Let's do all we can to make a difference here in the city of Santa Ana.